We're continuing this morning looking through a series on the book of Acts called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And looking at the early church, seeing what is their life, but also what does their life tell us about how we ought to live. What are their beliefs tell us about what we ought to believe. Years ago when I was serving at First Methodist Church of McGee, Mississippi, I thought it might be a healthy thing to have a Christian counselor friend of mine. His name was Larry Brown. I said, Larry, why don't you come on down to McGee and just do a session for us. You know, all of us in our friendships or our families, sometimes even in church family, we can wrestle with dysfunction. Why don't you just come talk to us about that from a Christian perspective? He said, I'd love to do that. He said, how do I get there? I said, well, we start at this time and basically just come to McGee, take a left on Main Street, four stop sign, look to your left. We're right there. So just one turn, Main Street, take a left. Come on down, we're there. So Larry came on down. Larry showed up at the Baptist church. <laughs> and he walked into First Baptist Church of McGee and said, Hey, I'm Larry Brown. I'm looking. Well, Barry Mail sent me. He said, I need to speak to you all about dysfunction. <laughs> well, I heard about that. <laughs> we can get messed up with directions. There can be a lot of confusion about directions. If I were to ask you, I don't want to show of hands, who, who drives the furthest, men or women, because they won't stop and ask for directions, you would guess men. And you'd be right by only 20 miles. Men in, in, in the course of a lifetime only drive, one recent poll said, only 20 miles more. We're talking hundreds of miles each because we won't stop and get directions. Where do I need to go? And so what we have in the book of Acts, especially as we look at, as Renee said, our life together, but as we're concentrating on how is it we can take the most of those split-second opportunities, how is it that we can be very careful to follow the map that we're given here about how to share our faith? One of the things General Conference did for us back in 2008 was say, when we ask you to become a part of our fellowship and our family, it's not four vows anymore, it's five. That all Methodists will make a vow when we join. Now listen, if you join before 2008, you're, this is still on you. Uh, but we don't just say prayers, presence, gifts, and service anymore. We say because of Acts, because of the Wesleyan movement, and because of who we are as biblical Christians, we're going to witness. Now there's ways to do that with wisdom. There's ways to do that carefully, and that's what we're talking about. But we're all going to do that. Now, as we've already said, one of the great ways we do that is through our lives and through our attitudes. But what about those opportunities like Peter had here? When you and I will be ready, hopeful, expectant, prepared, faithful to share the gospel. What might just happen? And we see what happens. We talked about what Peter did, what he said, how he said it. And then we find out here... How many are added to the kingdom just because of that one speech, because of that one testimony? And then we're looking here, if you're following along in your notes, in the life of the church. What do we see come out of the life of the church? What do we see them doing? And then we're going to look at the, the byproducts of that and what it produces. But first we see in verse 47, if you're following along in your notes, as our, our sunshine choir has already told us about this. Our chancel choir has already told us about this. They were a worshiping church. You find this church over and over again in worship. Whether it's formal times for worship 
or informal times of worship. You find it here in so many different ways. And by the way, the next verse after this passage, the start of chapter 3, you're going to find Peter and John again. Where? Going to their prayers. It's worship, worship, worship. They're always meeting together, formally and informally, living out what the, the Scripture writer would say in Hebrews uh, in chapter 10, 25. Just don't give up doing this. Don't give up. Don't forsake the assembling together. Because some can get in the custom or the habit of doing that. There's no hint of that here in the early church. They've met Christ, and then they're meeting together. It's a great reminder about worship. You were fashioned and designed for that. So there's a very real sense that you need that. I'm so glad you have faithfully made the choice to get up on a rain. You know Methodists are scared of water, but we still got out on a rainy day. We chanced it. Not just because he's due our worship. That's the heart of it. That's what Peter's preaching at Pentecost. Christ is due all things. But it's who we are. It's what we're designed to do. Matter of fact, if we don't worship well here, we just might worship something else. And the fallout of that is always horrific for us and for them. But also as a reminder too, it's not just for you, but we need you. I miss you. We miss you. Your gifts, your fellowship. Uh, so we see here in the early church, they're not only how blessed they are to worship, but the blessing that they are each to the other. This mutual need to be together, to assemble together, and to worship. Can't miss that about the Acts church. Not just here, but throughout the whole book. They formally, informally, they're always finding times to worship, to pray, to enjoy the Lord's Supper to celebrate Christ in their midst. Then in verse 20, 42, if you work back, we also see that they were a learning church. A worshiping church, yes, but they were also a learning church, which is pretty interesting if you think about it. I mean, these people are sitting under the instructions of the disciples. We find them here, those who are closest to Christ, many of them who knew Christ, and we find them regularly sitting under the teaching of Jesus. I like how uh, John Stott, a Bible scholar, would say, they are at the apostles' feet, hungry to receive instruction. Now listen, some of these people could have said, oh, I was there for the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, I was there when he talked about this. I met Jesus and knew Jesus and heard his teaching. I don't need to hear from you, Peter. I don't need to hear from you, John. But those who even knew Jesus, who were there in the early church, they set themselves at the feet of the apostles to receive instruction. A critical part of our discipleship. It's not all of discipleship. But our discipleship in following and in relating and living like Jesus and reaching out, all of those things typically are not what they can be if you and I are not under instruction. It's always been a key component of discipleship, to be a learner. To, to, whether it's through preachers that you enjoy on TV or radio or podcasts, or going through a Bible reading program, or being involved in a Sunday school, or a small group, or all the studies we have, you see the early church. By the way, I've loved this. I just got through, or I say I, Bob, Ann, and I just got through doing our statistical reports. It's why I take a salary, reports that we have to do in Methodism. Sunday school numbers are good. We're actually up this year. Our discipleship numbers are good. We're up this year. Committing ourselves to meeting together 
to be under instruction and to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not the only component of discipleship, but all the other parts of discipleship really are funded by and blessed by how you and I will meet together to grow in our faith. Verse 42, and I love to talk about this, and Renee said this so well, this church was not just a worshiping church and a learning church, but every part of this church, from page one to page to the last page of Acts, you just see the love that they have, for not just for Christ, but for one another. They were a loving church. We just see, that's, and again, that's how they said they'll be known by, but you just see the love that they have and how it's not just evident within the house of God, but even those, you watch how this section of Scripture closes, those outside of Scripture, are, they're finding favor with everybody because of the love they have for each other and the way that they love and outreach to others. And again, I love how you do that, to watch v, so many people just routinely volunteer for VIP because they love our VIPs or to watch our kids' ministry volunteers, or to see people who go on a ski trip and not sleep for three or four days chasing after 130 or 40 students because they love our students. Uh, it's a great thing to be known, and you are known. We are known as a loving church. And that is contagious. The way that we go about, there's nothing wrong with what Paul said to the church in Rome preferring one another. There's something right about the way that this early church loved one another. It's contagious in a world that is starving for love, for real love, for perfect love, for holy love. And when they see us live that out for each other, when they watch us stretch for one another, when they watch us check on one another, when they watch us pray for one another, when they see that, oh, it's so attractive. It's contagious. The way so many of you uh, just love our community. Love the metro area, that you're going to go downtown and rest, that you're going to come up here every Sunday to weave together mats uh, for the homeless. We've got people meeting every Monday night now for an hour, two hours, to go through Celebrate Recovery. And they're going through the 12 steps. And I went there for the first lesson. This is not easy curriculum. This is you've got to be real curriculum about your own hurts, your own habits, and your own hang-ups. Who wants to do that in front of people? By the way, if we don't do that, if you can't find somebody to do that with, again, there's some healing in your life that just won't take place. There's some growth in your life that won't take place. We've got we've to find that. But just to watch these people doing this every week when they're going to be a part of a ministry that meets every week, why? Because they love, they love people who are struggling in our, in our community. And to hear Sue talk about Delta Grace, people who love our state and love the people of our state and people who are struggling. So we're going to go on spring break. Yeah, we're going to give up spring break. And we're going to go and serve the people of the Delta. This church is marked just throughout these verses and the verses to follow, marked by the love of Christ. They were a loving church. And then lastly, verse 47, it was an evangelistic church. When you and I worship well, when you and I learn well, and when you and I love well, this, this is the byproduct. People are just going to be drawn to that. And we're going to talk for just a few minutes, have a teaching time. How can we be intentional about that? When those opportunities come up, how is it we can make the most of every opportunity, as Paul said to the church in Ephesus, how can we make the most of our time, the most of every opportunity, but, but when you and I do these three things well, evangelism is just going to happen. But how can we be intentional? So if you got your notes, let's walk through just very quickly a teaching time on how do we 
build relationships with people who are, have either never not known Christ, but most of, most of us have been, have been taken to church. Most of us are churched in some way, but maybe we haven't, your friends, your family, your, your neighbors, your coworkers, they haven't been with Christ in a long season. So how do we build relationships with them? Be a great Bible study. I don't have time for it on Sunday nights, but just to walk through the book of Acts and watch how Peter and then Philip and then Paul, how did they build relationships so that they could mention and, and bring up faith in Jesus Christ? It's brilliant how the church does this. Now, as we talk about building relationships, one of the great ways you can build relationships for evangelism is people that you already know, people you're already doing life with. And so just to be intentional about that or meeting them where they are. I know my students used to, coffee houses used to be a big thing in the early 2000s. And so when I had a Bible, a bunch of my kids going to MC, we started a, a coffee house ministry. A lot of my kids went to the dock. Don't, ask, don't act like some of y'all don't know what the dock used to be. But anyway, my kids would go to the dock on the weekends. And so we, Ridgecrest Baptist and I, we'd rent out the dock on Monday nights. We'd have a praise and worship service that we met people where they are with people you people you already know where are they how is it and I love watching you I bump I go in for breakfasts or lunch and seeing so many of our small groups meeting how is it we can meet people where they are uh, where they are build relationships with them and I love what Mark Middleberg says pastor of one of the largest churches in the United States I shared this on a Wednesday night he he was trying to reach out to his neighbor for years. Now, again, he's in maybe the largest church at that time in the United States. Trying to reach out to his neighbor, and he kept inviting him. Hey, Christmas Eve service coming up this week. You want to go to Christmas Eve? No, man, I don't want to go. This guy obviously did not know Jesus, had not been to church. Mark's This guy's a guru in evangelism. Mark's trying to get him, never can get him to go. One time, finally, he says, hey, you want to come to our Easter services next week? And the guy says, no, nah, Mark, I appreciate it. Uh, Hey, I'm having a barbecue, though, the weekend, the weekend after that. Would you like to come to my barbecue? Mark hadn't done life with that guy. Mark is a guy who writes about evangelism all the time. And all he said was, come with me to where I'm going. And it's interesting, when he did go to that barbecue, you want to guess who was the person who brought up spiritual matters? It was the neighbor who then eventually got saved and is now in that man's, in Mark's church. All because Mark says, you know what, I'm going to cross the line, I'm going to meet you where you are and do life with you. Now, we'll be careful how we do that life with others, but it's critical for us to be intentional. How do we build relationships with people that we already know or even people that we used to know? Now, this is something you have to be careful about because in today's social media, there's all kinds of temptations and things that can happen from that. I kind of was pulled kicking and screaming into social media, but it's been, it's been a gold mine for evangelism. For people that I know now, but people that I used to know, to, to build relationships with, with kids who knew me well before I ever thought about knowing Jesus Christ. And then to be able to talk to them about my faith and to walk with them. Um, so it's, it's a great thing to be thinking about, whether it's college or your hometown. Who are people like, people are much more open to, to restarting an old friendship. Again, be careful with that. Um, and then thirdly, who are the people you'd like to know? I'm not going to ask you, but how many unchristian friends have you built a relationship with for evangelism? I struggle in this. I told our folks on Wednesday, I like Christians. 
I don't like all Christians, but I like a lot of Christians. And because I, I like your worldview and I like how you live and that you're forgiving and loving and you love Jesus, I like hanging out with you. That's where I spend a lot of my time. I want my kids hanging out with Christians, right? That's not the book of Acts. Worship, yes. Most of our time here, yes. Honor and pervert one another, sure. But there's, there's barrier after barrier crossed. Some, I heard a preacher once say, or a professor once say, it's like 16 or 17 crustacean moments where the church breaks out of their shell and says, oh yeah, God wants us to love these folks and these folks. And, and love every, eventually just everybody. How are you and I intentionally building relationships with people that we don't know yet, but we want to know? Maybe you can just be careful in your own strategic consumerism. Do you know the name of every waiter in the place that you like to go eat? And do you know if they're Christians or not? Uh, wherever you shop. I know as a, I can't tell you how much money we spent at movie rental stores when our kids were growing up with three kids, but I knew every name of every movie renter person when we were in Jackson or we were in McGee. I mean, I still talk to my movie renter, but that, uh, that red box doesn't talk back much. But I try to use that. But I went three years ago to do a funeral in McGee and uh, was going out to eat, and Mike pulled me aside. I'm like, Mike? He was a guy who used to work at movie gallery because I knew his name and I talked to him and tried to start spiritual conversations. And yet all that time later, he was able to call me out. How are we using just strategic consumerism, where we are, to try to reach people that we would like to know? A couple of the things I don't have time for this morning, but I'm quickly just following along in your notes. The importance of building on common ground, whether it's a hobby or a sport, your kids' teams, students, whether it's Apex Legends or Fortnite, just using whatever con, uh, just common ground. One of my best friends today, there's so much of him that, that I have nothing to, I mean, I have no connection whatsoever. We're so night and day on so many things. We found one common hobby, and I can't tell you what a blessing he's been to my life. I hope I've been a blessing to speak into his life. Common ground can be huge. And then this other reminder is to mention spiritual matters early and often. Hey, don't be overbearing about that, but you watch Paul, you watch Philip, you watch Peter. They'll bring up spiritual matters early. It just gets it over with. And it gets it off the table. doesn't mean, again, you have to be loud about it, but it's just natural. You're being authentic. And I'll let them know that I'm not going to be your friend for two years so I can finally drop the gospel on you. I care about you, but I'm going to be who I am around you. Lastly, this is starting spiritual conversations. Uh, we'll come back to this next week because I want to give good time to this. And, and we're at the end of our time. But, so you be here next week, right? This was a worshiping church. And so we're going to worship next week. Uh, together because this is a hard thing to do a risky thing to do to verb not to live out your faith is hard to have the attitude of Christ is hard but when those opportunities come up where you just say "Ooh, I could talk about Jesus here and to make that step is hard so we want to talk about some ways you can do that but what about what about today what's our response today who are those people you already know that you know what I need to be more intentional those people I used to know that, you know what, I bet I could build a relationship with that person and hopefully be able to share. Or somebody you like to know. They're, they're all around us. We're in Mississippi. Half our state doesn't go to church regularly. Over half. Mississippi! We're told in Oregon and Washington the church rate's less than 5%. There are people around us not enjoying Christ and knowing his love, knowing his grace. 
How can we be better intentional about that? How can we as well live to this scripture of the early church? To be a church that's committed to worship formally, but also informally. A church that's committed to being under instruction and learning. How do you need to hear that today? To grow in your discipleship. All the other areas of discipleship are impacted by how you and I will be better learners and under instruction. How is it that you can just even more so share the love of God with a world that is desperate to find love? Amen? Amen. Our closing hymn uh, speaks to this. It's hymn 555. Uh, Let's turn to that hymn and let's stand together.